Conviction fans, we're coming to you direct from Brighton Seafront because we're on summer holiday. Yes. Yay! And as we're coming up to the end of the school term and you're looking for things to do with your little darlings, we thought we'd go to Brighton and test drive some of the best kids and young adults non-fiction. So that's Non-Fic Pod comes to you from the beach with me, Burn, Me, Card. And me, Bizelle. So, to introduce on the microphone Beatrice Bazell, who is normally the silent partner in this trio, but she is joining us today. Hello, Beatrice. Hello, Emma. And of course, my good friend, co-host and all-round top banana, Georgie Cott. Bananas! So we have a bunch of books suitable for different ages. I'll be looking at some books for the younger age of the spectrum, because that's the age of the kids I have. But first, we're going to talk to B and Georgie about a couple of excellent books for your teenagers. Georgie, can we talk about consent? Can we talk about, can we talk about consent? Please, can we? This is a book for the probably early teens bracket or even earlier, frankly. Can we talk about consent? It's by Justin Hancock, illustrated so beautifully by Fuchsia Macari or Macari Fuchsia. If I've got that wrong, please tell me and I apologise. As you may have guessed from the excellent title, this is a book about consent and how to talk about it, what consent is, why it's important, various different scenarios, usually involving pizza as the prime metaphor, which I'm always down with. Its uh, subtitle is A Book About Freedom, Choices and Agreement. Why I liked this book a lot. Firstly, it made me realise that consensual conversations about things that are nothing to do with sex are actually also quite important. And it made me reflect on my listening techniques and how I talk to people. And that sometimes I might say things or try and hug somebody to greet them. And actually, I don't ask for consent or I don't stop to think about how the other person is reacting to that. And that was an uncomfortable revelation, but also I think quite important For people who have children that they want to discuss consent with, this is a great one. And you can also skip over the sex parts if you don't feel they're ready for that yet. Although, frankly, sex education should happen not in the latest time of your child's life. We probably all agree with that here. The author flags moments where, okay, I'm going to talk about sex in the next bit. If you don't want to hear about this, that's fine. Skip ahead. It's a consensual book in so many ways. What did you guys think? Yeah, I love how much it is a show-not-tell kind of book. The whole book is structured in an incredibly consensual kind of way. In as much as it's possible to have a conversation on the page, I think it's handled beautifully. Justin is an incredible writer. And as you said, it's not just for kids who are actually starting to embark on sexual relationships, much as you may be going, ah, my kids, no, 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 it's not going to happen. It is ideal for long before that. It talks about the broad spectrum of intimacy, uh, not just sexual intercourse that is penis and vagina oh my god this is definitely not a kids episode is it for all that it's kids books but it talks about as you say the broad spectrum of social consent and I think it's really empowering for boys and girls it's really empowering regardless of 
you know, gender, sexuality, the stage of development that they are, when they're talking about things like, you know, even just consenting to the things that are social pressure, like we're all going to go to so-and-so's party. Well, what if you don't want to go to so-and-so's party? We're all going to do this crazy thing that you know one of us thinks is not a good idea if you want an antidote to if all your friends jumped off a bridge would you jump off it too if you want to equip your child to be able to say actually I'm not down with that and here's why this is such a good book I recommend it like 11 billion out of 10. I feel the same I also I can't remember what I was watching the other day but that hoary old stereotype about a boy pulls a girl's pigtails or hits her to get her attention and it's oh it's only because he likes you and I cannot believe we are still sending exactly I'm a vomit all over my keyboard I can't believe we're still sending messages like this to kids and it does such a disservice to everybody not only in the playground but when they grow up and they're still hanging on to some of those terrible ideas and especially in a pandemic where do you hug as a greeting has become a central question for every parasocial relationship we even have, let alone our friends and family. If you want to have something you can either read alongside your kid, read before your kid and then hand it on or just give it to them and then be open to their questions. I found reading it hugely informative and it will definitely prepare me to help the kids here get through that minefield over the next few years. I am immensely grateful for that book now b i think you've been reading something by the inimitable claire balding please tell us more claire balding for our international podders we know you're out there we love you very much is one of the nation's best loved sports broadcasters Uh, she's from an enormously sporty family her dad was a racehorse trainer And she fronts all kinds of sports, including the Olympics and currently Wimbledon. And she's written several children's books. She's the nation's auntie, is the best way to put it, I think. If Mary Berry is your granny, your English granny, Claire Balding is your English auntie. And her book is called Fall Off, Get Back On, Keep Going. Ten ways to be at the top of your game. It's very much a post-lockdown book. It includes lots of anecdotes about, you know, getting through lockdown because it's a book about resilience. She doesn't use that word. I think she uses stickiness, which is a great analogy. I really enjoyed it because it takes stories from her own life, examples about some quite tough stuff she went through as a child, including deliberately falling off a horse a hundred times in order to prove she was a real jockey. Gotta love that. And also an episode where she was peer pressured into shoplifting. And it's all handled in a really clear, quite sensitive way. And then alongside that, she includes case studies of athletes, campaigners, artists, lots of people of colour in this book. And it, it illustrates her point really well. And she includes lots of analogies. So if we had the pizza of consent in Can We Talk About Consent? Here we have the cake of kindness. Ah. We have a lot of others. At some point, I had to cross-reference a couple of pages to work out which analogy I was supposed to be thinking about. But it's a really fun, friendly design. I can absolutely imagine giving it to my seven-year-old goddaughter. Hello, Eloise. This is coming to you. And it's a really nice balance of text and graphic design. I can imagine it being a good book for a kid to be able to flick through themselves or read together with a parent, a friend, pass it around their friendship group. 
And it's also got some nice physical tips too as well. You know, there's there's a section about power posing and there's lots and lots of mental health literate stories, but not necessarily using language that you and I would recognize. So at certain points, it touches on depression, but in very kind of friendly language. There's a lot of talk about trying to resist shame, shutting down things you want to do, want to try and not being afraid of change. So I think it's really valuable in the year of our Lord 2021. (laughs) I looked at it and I was like, gosh, I wish you'd been my sort of dotty godparent growing up for any sort of anxious, perfectionist femme kids who just feel like they're not quite getting it right. It's just a hugely reassuring book. Very. It's an anthem to trying. Talking about people who you want to have more of in your lives, my next recommendation, and I love it so much, I've already recommended it to three people and it's only 11 o'clock in the morning, is The Black Friend on Being a Better White Person by Frederick Joseph. He's an American author. This was re-released in 2021. I think it originally came out in 2019. So it's got some more up-to-date responses on Black Lives Matter and George Floyd. It's so funny and honest and pulls no punches. Basically, Frederick Joseph takes the whole thing about he's your friend. He's your friend in the text. And this is what your friend says is cool. And he enjoyed this. And this happened to him. And that happened to him. There are some amazingly immersive storytelling scenes, true storytelling, obviously, about things that have happened to him growing up as one of the few black people in his school in Westchester and the kind of things that people would say to him, like a teacher who said, oh, I didn't know black people liked Star Wars. Yeah. And a supply teacher who thought that he and the other girl of color in the class were both cheating on their tests because they kept getting better marks than all the white people. The text is punctuated with these really witty asides that have like a pause or a fast forward or a rewind thing on. So in this, he's very much of our era, ladies. He's like, I know I do this every chapter, but if you haven't seen Mean Girls, just Google it. There's a lot of things like references like, see this? Google it. Google it, Google it, Google it. There's also a really in-depth glossary. The end, I was laughing. I was wincing. I was very glad I picked this up and I would wholeheartedly recommend it to anybody. So it's probably, again, like early teens or before. Come on, get these conversations started sooner rather than later. And I really, 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 really wish he was my actual friend in my room right now. So check it out. B, I think you also have some books about racism and anti-racism for our younger readers. I do. And I think the right one to follow that one is, this book is anti-racist. 20 lessons on how to wake up, take action and do the work by Tiffany Jewell. This is a really good book. I had a wonderful time sitting down and devouring it. And I would say that this is a great book for preteens. And I know that's a bit vague, but I honestly can imagine a really very savvy eight or nine-year-old really wanting to pick this up, get through it, talk about it with adults, pass it around their friendship group. For some kids, it might be a little more advanced. It's very text heavy. And that's what's great about it. It starts by grounding all of the concepts really well. To give you an example, the first section is called waking up, understanding and growing into my identities. 
So once you've established the kind of frameworks of the book, then we're off to the races. It is full of really interesting terminology. The author talks about what words they're going to use, including folks, spelt F-O-L-X, and about using folks of the global majority instead of talking about minority. And it's that kind of attention to detail in a way that really, really sets the book up for success. It also includes lots of personal stories, including a story about a racist teacher and plenty and plenty of microaggressions. Um, And it really focuses on practical actions towards the end of the book, including lots of acknowledgments about what to do in situations that involve state violence. So in that way, it is going to really wake up kids to endemic power structures around them. And as such, if you've got a sensitive child, it might be worth going through it with them. I can imagine it as being a really good book to give to a parent or a grandparent because the writing is very straightforward, but it's not simplistic. And it's one where the adult and the child will be able to learn together. But it might also be one where you need to hold some space for your child to talk afterwards about how scary it is Mm. that if they've seen police officers in cartoons, that they're now seeing them in a different context. Or maybe they didn't have that privilege. And the book talks about that privilege as well. Mm. As a bonus, it's beautifully designed and it's going to look so good on TikTok. And the balance between tech and graphics is really really well managed it's a really fun book as well as being quite serious and and heavy hitting in the best way I felt like this was definitely one that I would want to read alongside my kids it distills down an entire first year university syllabus on understanding race theory and the way in which identities plural are played out in the world I, I know that out, speaking speaking as a parent, but things that have hit me as a parent is that huge responsibility to prepare your children, not for the world you wish they lived in, in which, you know, I didn't see colour and we all just respect each other as individuals. That is not the world we live in. And how do we prepare them for the world we actually encounter? And if you have a child who is starting to wonder about their own identity and their own place in the world or why some of their friends are experiencing the world or see the world very differently from them, it is such a good book mm-hmm. because it is not about constructing or defining single identities. It's about that exploration of multiple identities that kids might feel they have you know did she talks about i am a mixed race woman and also black and also a woman and also you know i can't remember what it was like a cheerleader or whatever but all of the things that we are the multitudes and it takes these very complicated ideas and said yes this is how the world works and this is how to make sense of it and i found it a phenomenally useful book and as b said it is gorgeous and it feels like we're selecting godparents like if we could get you know fairy godparents for your kids to help them with anxiety and depression consent race and identity these are the godparents that you you wish you could suddenly get for your kids and all of these books will be listed on our website and in the episode description but this is your godparent crew for your slightly older kids and for you too you can have those conversations you know sit down with with these books over a glass of wine while your kids are off doing their TikToking or what have you. God, I would sound ridiculous when I say things like that. TikToking, as the youth do. <laughs> Ugh, kill me with that's the moment of said. So sit down with a glass of whatever and have a read of these books yourself as well. They can really help you 
help your kids navigate this world. And there's three white ladies yes. who obviously, you know, this is the podcast we run. It's the podcast that we started. But yeah, there's a hell of a lot to learn about intersectionality. And, you know, hosting our guests, we've learned a vast amount. But reading these books is a really, really great way to learn more in a very digestible, fun way. So we shouldn't be combining this just to the kids. The adults can learn plenty. Absolutely. I know so many people who could benefit from a bit more empathy and just a bit more awareness about what's going on. And so, yes. And it was interesting, B. you mentioned that. Sorry, that was, a sub, that was a subtweet of a podcast there, wasn't it? Was it? <laughs> I know a few people who could be less shit <laughs> if you get a copy of the black friend in the post anytime soon you know <laughs> anyway anyway but yeah yeah just to pick up on b's earlier point as well about the privilege of finding out this information where in this book frederick joseph he talks about it's not a privilege for black kids like they're mm-hmm. taught these lessons about how unfair society is very very early on as a process of survival so for us to be saying this is a great read and it's really fun mm-hmm. we also have to acknowledge that you know yeah. it's not essential for white people and white children but it should be essential, you know? When I say it's not essential, it's not essential for us to survive, but for us to be better people, we need to include these stories in what our kids are reading. Absolutely. And as Emma would say, if as a parent, you want your kids to thrive. And part of thriving in the modern world that I hope is coming closer every day, where things like skin colour, class, sexuality, religion, you know, outward aesthetic preferences... They shouldn't hold anybody back. And that includes if your child doesn't recognise the structures of oppression around them, then you are failing to help your children thrive. Mm. And I want to say as well that, you know, not assuming that our audience is quite so uh, unmelanated as we are, that this book is anti-racist is written from the point of view of somebody who has lived those traumas. And I haven't read Frederick's book. Georgie has brought this to us after its amazing find. But I know that this book is anti-racist if your child has experienced these traumas and these injustices that this book is anti-racist will help them process what they've been through as well as helping those of us who haven't experienced that understand the world in which things just aren't fair and it is never too early to start those conversations which is the reason that I picked up the book that I think Beatrice is going to talk about next which I adore this is race cars a children's book about white privilege by jenny deveni an interesting book i initially i will hold my hands up and say i was a bit resistant because the design of it could not be more perfect for a minimalist mid-century modern interior and i was slightly resistant to the idea that a children's book that looks so very kind of adult coded i hold my hands up i was wrong because when i read it to an 18 month old artie shout out who is obsessed with cars for a really quite you know text heavy story it's written by a white psychotherapist who specializes in providing anti-racist psychotherapy to children it's quite text heavy and it's the story of how you know the systematic obstructions put in the way of a black race car in order that the white race cars might thrive well Artie the 18 month old absolutely loved it couldn't get enough of it seemed to follow the story it's a good strong narrative it is intersectional but simple even during fairly long chunks of text, it just worked really well. So that I would say probably more around the 18 to 4 or 5 kind of age range. But you could still keep reading it to older kids because, as I say, beautifully designed, strongly told, 
very good book. Really simple and consistent metaphor as well. I mean, things like the, you know, this bridge is for white cars only. And just realising how powerfully that conveys the experience of the kinds of clubs, societies, universities, schools that are, even if not explicitly for white cars only, certainly have a very strong colour preference. I found it, you know, I was reading it to a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. They, I think, would have preferred something that was a little bit older. It is definitely, I'd say, a preschool kind of book, but it is a staggeringly good metaphor. And also, I can't help but enjoy slightly the idea of the tweaking of the Daily Mail crowd when B read the word psychotherapist that specialises in anti-racist education for children because I just I can feel Paul Dacre and Jeremy Clarkson and oh what's his face who was GB News moron moron he is more Andrew Neil all of them that's so many yeah, so many so I, I can feel the anti-woke brigade choking on their cornflakes at the very existence of that person I the fact that their cars makes it very untraumatizing but it is great food for thought and there's some really good discussion prompts in the back aren't there be there are now we're in the kind of younger years burn i think you have you have some particularly stunning and exciting books that all of us were cooing over on the beach they are really gorgeous aren't they so the first one i'm going to look at is a backward science by clive gifford and Anne wilson And the conceit of this is absolutely wonderful. It starts with the modern day on page one and talks about the kind of things we have around us right now. And there's a lovely illustration of, you know, you've got somebody hoovering in their house, someone sitting on the toilet, some people with the television on, but all engaged in their laptops and their phones and a book and and there's an ambulance. And then we go back to ancient history or the 1990s, as those of us who are old enough remember, and the invention of the mobile phone and the smartphone and here the illustration is a similar street but you can see that there are phone boxes with people queuing outside there's somebody pouring over a map and asking someone to help them with that map there is a van that looks very much like the A-Team van I've only just noticed and a video store so I'm so far so nostalgic then it goes back through the invention of various technologies like what before the World Wide Web and here's this beautiful picture of a library and stacks and stacks of books and somebody with microfiche and then before personal computers, before search and rescue, there's some very interesting things in sort of crime technology, search and rescue and DNA profiling, life before television, that led to a very lively conversation with the girls and so on and so forth. So it's various discoveries and it takes you all the way back, essentially, the very earliest inventions here are essentially farming and the wheel. Um, and it's really nice how each one sort of links to it. It gives a wonderful view of how inventions are never completely from new. As someone who is a science and technology bod, I like the idea of introducing children to the idea that when they're inventing something, they don't have to come up with an idea that is entirely new. What they're always looking for is either a new possibility that a technology has afforded or a persistent problem that people are really wanting to solve. Uh, and this idea that progress is not linear, but does evolve in these sort of jumps that build on on one another. So I thought in terms of science and technology education, it's not just the history of science and the history of invention, 
but the process of invention and the way that human societies and groups invent and popularize technology. It also mentions the debt that we owe to various non-white people, like the fact that Clarence Birdseye, inventor of frozen food, he actually saw that that technology was being used by Inuits, freezing fish under thick ice, and their flash freezing of fish made it retain its texture. And that's why we have fish fingers, is thanks to Clarence Birdseye basically commercialising a technology that had been invented by the Inuit. And it also does similar things with vaccines and how those came and were popularised through sort of white scientific and commercial popularisation, but the original ideas came from elsewhere. So it's a very global looking book as well. So I, I highly recommend it. What did you guys think to that one? I, I do remember loving it, but I'm afraid any book that gets the nationality of Marie Curie wrong, I'm afraid, <gasps> yes. does immediately get a ding, ding, ding. So there weren't very many women scientists mentioned in it. There were some, but when you get Marie Curie's nationality wrong, yeah, and she named yes. an element polonium, yeah. you get a bit of a ding from me. But I did think it was beautifully done. And I loved, as Emma pointed out, that journey backwards. So the fact that you're starting with technology that, uh, that, that aged I recognise. Another amazing science and technology book is The Everyday Journeys of Ordinary Things, From Phones to Food and Post to Poo. Yes! And you know yes. you're onto a winner uh, when you have poo in. This is by Libby Deutsch and illustrated by Valkyrie Kertula. And it, again, is so gorgeous. The kids freaking loved this. We did, of course, start with the poo, but it is beautifully illustrated. It is, this one is by Ivy Kids. But it builds very strongly on, I grew up reading Usborne books, and I hope Ivy Kids won't mind me saying this, but Usborne, I think, in the 70s and 80s, established this gold standard for non-fiction visual storytelling, if anyone had those sort of look-inside-your-body books. And this has that same sort of clarity of layout, illustration, annotation. It's definitely a book that you can read to primary schoolers, but that a late primary schooler or even early secondary school age kid would definitely pour over this. I think this is a great sort of rainy afternoon. I just want to dip into something and find things out. Be prepared for, particularly with slightly older kids, sitting down at the dinner table and going, did you know, did you know what happens to poo once you've pooed? It's great. It's absolutely terrific. I mean, age range on this is really broad, I would say. I'm freaking fascinated by it. It's so much fun and like you say definitely for those in their 30s and 40s and upwards agreed this is the one we had a little bit of a tussle on the beach about who was taking what so we had to do a bit of horse trading but emma went out as the only one with kids at home yeah she had a legit reason to have this book i promise that when they when they've done with it i'll send it on to i want to say artie not archie Artie. it's artie well done it's Artie. I will send it on to Artie. It's the kind of book that as a, you know, self-proclaimed cool aunt, I will have in my house so that when people come by, it's exactly the kind of thing that if they just need a moment of quiet away from their, oh, say, three-year-old brother smashing their door on the floor, then this is exactly the kind of book that can be taken to the sofa and enjoyed alone or with somebody else who is willing to be a human wall. Then this final book, The World's Most Pointless Animals, or Are They, by Philip Bunting. This was the one that I think we really, really tussled over. This is from Happy Yak. Um, I, how to explain the conceit of this one? This, again, is anyone from sort of five to a hundred. It is 
brilliant. The conceit is basically you've got this lovely bold sans serif text that's very friendly. The original title appears to be the world's most wonderful animals and then some other hand has come in and scribbled it out and in green ink written pointless and throughout the book there is this conversation between the sort of sensible narrator who is you know the blobfish or the scientific name I could have chosen an easier one to say here, uh, the blobfish or scientifically Psychronutus marcatus or then crossed out and scribbled in Blamongia Blamongia with various um, captions of things like just look at it, can't hunt due to lack of muscles, no teeth but wouldn't brush them anyway dejected expression. It's a great book for pair reading with kids who are emerging readers. The thing that I did with the five-year-old and the seven-year-old actually was have them read all of the stuff that is the silly notes in the in the sort of comic writing. It's not comic sans, but this lovely sort of handwriting annotations. Had them read those and then I read the sort of slightly deeper text with the the factual stuff. But it's terrific. I mean, it's hugely informative. I learnt an awful lot about the naked mole rat, which is an animal I thought I already knew quite a bit about because it's so important in science. I love it. I cannot state how much. And also from, you know, I'm I'm not a graphic designy person, but somebody talk about these illustrations because I they're too beautiful, should have sent a poet. Every single page could be framed and put on a wall. It's stunning. This kind of very slick cartoon-esque oh oh it's dreamy absolutely dreamy to look at emma you reminded me with the usborne point the scary books oh richard scary yeah so all the little animals have have real recognizable human kind of emotion and that's what makes it so cheeky they are very characterful it reminded me of if your kids like things like oi frog oi cat oi duck pill platypus the jim fields and i'm afraid i cannot remember jim's co-author sorry but if you like those yeah my kids big fans of the oi animal series and then rabbit and bear if you're looking for a non-fiction thing that will tweak all of those lovely things of you know animals with personalities something that's a little bit cheeky and irreverent but also has something really smart to say as well. I cannot recommend The World's Most Pointless Slash Wonderful Animals by Philip Bunting highly enough. This is my absolute fave of the summer and is coming on every car journey with us. And publishers, please note, we will buy those prints. Sell them, make bank, Christmas gift of the year. Yes. I mean, the giraffe tote bag for a start. I really need a tote bag of this gorgeous drinking giraffe. Wow. Male giraffes drink female giraffes pee to determine mating time. I mean, mean, that's what I require of all my lovers. I feel like that should go into the Can We Talk About Consent book, because I I don't know, Mr. Giraffe, if I'm happy for you to drink my my wee today. Well, luckily, Georgia, you're not a female giraffe. What? You're tall. I... Are you saying I'm not a giraffe? You have a choice about where your wee goes. As the magic journey of everyday things pointed out, we know where your poo goes, so you can control where it goes. That's true. There is a wonderful intersection, isn't there, between the everyday journey of ordinary things, the book of consent, and the world's most pointless animals. This is not a competition. It's not a, you know, which is the best book, because as we all know, that is like being forced to choose your favourite child. But I have to say that if you were going to buy just one for a anyone from between the age of two and up, I would go for World's Most Pointless Animals, but very honourable mention to Everyday Journeys of Ordinary Things and Backward Science. 
Georgie. I cannot, I just, I'm so excited about the Black Friend on being a better white person. He's got such an engaging way of addressing the reader. He's naughty and rude and a bit arrogant and knows it. Ah, he's such good company. So I would totally, totally recommend that. And to use one of his phrases, I would die on that hill. Hey, cool uncle. And what about you, Bea? Oh, I wish I didn't have to choose, but given the moment we're in, I think this book is anti-racist because it's really timely and really important. And everybody, including several members of my quite elderly family, should read it. Boom. I love the idea that in all of the books that we've chosen, we could learn and grow as families, extended families, godparents, pseudo-godparents, blended families. Whether you have kids or not, if you're in the market for books that are helping to build your humans, oh, honestly, that wasn't a subliminal plug for my own book. Then, yes, it is. How to build a human available now. <laughs> thank you, B. Then these are what we recommend this summer. And if you are a publisher who's listening and taking notes about what we would like to buy and put on our walls at Christmas time, please note that we would love to have more of your non-fiction books for young readers. So send them in. We did put a wide shout out to publicists and agents to get their recommendations. And if we missed you or you forgot to apply this time or you just want to be involved next time we do one of these reviews, then hey, you know where to find us. We're on Twitter at nonficpod. Normal non-fic pod service resumes as of our next episode, which will be about something for your own reading pile. And don't forget, you can always look back over the series if you've just joined us for the first time with this episode. We have some amazing previous episodes. Do have a look at our back catalogue if you're new to us. And don't forget to like, subscribe, review, rate, recommend, and make sure as many people as possible get to hear about exciting new non-fiction. And we hope that you have a splendid summer holiday. Nonfic Pod is brought to you by Emma Byrne, Georgie Codd, Beatrice Bazell, and Mike Wire. Our Patreon backers are Nicola Myrams, Claire and Alexander, Mike Wire, David Corney, Juliet Miller, and Alessandra Coyne. Thank you so much for your support. We heart you long time. The anti rope brigade. Fuck Lawrence Fuck them all. You can really help us by rating, reviewing, and sharing non fic pod. Every little helps to build our audience, and that means we get to share fantastic non fiction with more people just like you. And it helps us to keep bringing you the greatest authors and the hottest reads. 